one network's people yelling this way, another network's people yelling this way, people just want to throw up their hands and say, a plague on both your houses. It's, it can be where you're down. It's like being in a marriage where everybody's always fighting. After a while, you say, I don't need this. So you step back. From the WEB Newsroom, this is 457 SEO, a place for stories, information, and observations about our Southeast Ohio communities. I'm Atish Baidia. I'm Susan Tebbin. I'm Allison Hunter. And I'm Aaron Payne. For those of us Ohioans voting in this November 2017 election, there will be two state issues. Ballot issue number one is a proposed constitutional amendment that would grant crime victims specific constitutional rights regarding court proceedings and, among other things, give victims the opportunity to receive restitution from the person who committed the crime against them. And ballot issue two would require state agencies to not pay more for prescription drugs than the Federal Department of Veterans Affairs and require state payment of attorney fees and expenses to specific individuals for defense of the law. And now these issues sound pretty straightforward, but of course they're not. And let's start with issue two. Pay less at the pharmacy? That sounds like a good thing, right? But nah, the political ads this season are telling us something else. Here to help sort it out are Ohio state and local pol- politics uh, analyst Tom Suttis. He's a journalism professor and member of the Cleveland Plain Dealers editorial board. Issue two, what's going on? <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm one of the millions that isn't quite sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's unusual for a number of reasons. One of which is it's uh, really promoted by out of state an out of state uh, group or person that's associated with a good cause actually, the uh, prevention and cure and treatment of people with uh, HIV. Uh, but one of the ambiguities is that all these numbers are being talked about, but actually we don't know as individual citizens what those numbers are. These typically, the Department of Veterans Affairs already has discounts. It arranges or rebates with drug drug producers, and those, by the very nature, are confidential. I don't think they should be, but they are. Uh, it's worth remembering that Ohio, if you do a an informal mathematical thing, would you walk down the street today, or go to Baker Center, or go to a shopping center, or go downtown? Keep in mind that every fifth person you see statistically is getting Medicaid benefits in the state, which I think is a good thing. But the fact is that also means they have substantial needs often for pharmaceutical products. The state of Ohio Medicaid Department does already get substantial discounts as federal law requires under the Medicaid law for the cost of wholesale drugs. But we don't know what those discounts are. Informally, people have said they're probably the same as Veterans Affairs, which is about 25 to 30% off the, the list wholesale price. But we don't know that. And the other difficulty is that this amendment of this statute actually would only cover those purchases by the state of Ohio and not necessarily by anybody that on another kind of health plan or anyone older person who goes to his or her pharmacy to get pick up a prescription. And so it's very hard to see in some respects at this point how it might help the individual hard-pressed Ohioan who's paying substantial drug prices now. And at one point you think, again, to pay less, anyone paying less, but it's not for everyone. Right. And that whole idea of you see who's against and who's for the ads and the millions of dollars according right. to um, I just looked this up on Ballopedia uh, opponents organized as the Ohioans against deceptive uh, prescription and ballot issue raised 16.23 million dollars 
And 100% of those total funds saying that don't vote on this, don't vote on this, that comes from pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of America. And so there's almost that intrinsic thing that goes, wait a minute, if big pharma is saying no, then we should say yes, because they want to keep they want to keep making money. That's one of the almost maybe a knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. But it's not, again, it's not that simple. That whole idea of on one end they're saying uh, if you vote yes, that'll bring all prices down. And then the ones who are against it say if you vote yes, it'll bring all prices up. So could it it move the market or that's just something we don't know? It, we don't know, although I suspect it, uh, the people who oppose it, the pharmaceutical manufacturers particularly, are more worried about the psychological effect of it passing with the voters in Ohio. I agree with you. I think that the at the retail end, it could shift price burdens heavily, more heavily on the individual consumer. But I think the, difficult, the, the challenge the industry faces is this would send a signal to people in other states who are concerned about drug. If Ohio, quote-unquote, which is seen as a relatively – moderate conservative state, we could argue about the moderate part, but that's another matter, <laughs> uh, would, would have supported this. They've got a political problem. I'm just using metaphorical f- phrasing that way. That's one thing about it. And I agree with you. I always ask myself, and I'm undecided, I have to tell you personally speaking as a voter, if this is such a meaningless amendment or initiative statute, why are they spending so much money to fight it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of compensation for top executives is tied to things like stock prices and stock incentives. And so if it affected things in the stock market for the big manufacturers, I think that might be one of the reasons they'd be concerned about it. Um, I also want to suggest to you that um, in issue campaigns as well as ballot, uh, candidate campaigns, the post-election report will show you the bulk of the spending, which could be very high. In California, uh, combined, both sides spent $110 million last year on the, on the ballot issue. That and was similar to this. It's very one. similar. Same the same promoters, and and it actually was relatively close in that. I think this is from memory, and memory fails as I age. But I think it's something on the order of fifty four percent to forty six percent, right it around there. It was close. not a runaway either way, right. and um, that was interesting. And that had to be hackney phrase of the year or the decade wake up call <laughs> to the industry, because even though it's California, still so. That's what I think is going to the minds of the opponents of the issue. And speaking about motives, do you think that so goes Ohio, the indication that if we can get the state to do this, is that why they started this whole thing in the first place? Or was it genuinely on the other side to get drug prices down? I don't know that. I don't know either way. I do know that um, not every state, of course, has the initiative for statutes or for amendments to the Constitution. I've never looked at the thresholds for other states, but our... Our thresholds are not overly high to get on the ballot. They're not as easy as California, but what is? And, um, and that may be part of it. But I think your suggestion is very good possibility that they thought if this can get – if Ohioans will buy into this, then we can pass this in other places as well. It's send a real strong message to the, to the, uh, to the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues that's, that also you know, that made me pause is that whole idea of the state would have to pay attorney's fees and expenses to specific individuals for defense of the law. I do want to point out one curious thing about this uh, proposal. Um, initiated statutes, as opposed to amendments, are pretty unusual, uh, pretty rare in Ohio. This is an initiated statute, and it is the case that the legislature could, in fact, the day after this passes, and if it becomes part of the statute, well, could amend it. But realistically, that's never happened in the past because if you're voting against the whole people of the state, that's 
That's causing more courage than our legislators generally manifest <laughs> about anything. Um, but I, I will say this. The, the point is sometimes made by the proponents who favor this, that the attorney general separately must always defend state laws when they're challenged, and he typically does, as we know about everything from um, the uh, Affordable Care Act. I mean, when, he, when people were trying to oppose that, Ohio's, when Ohio was trying to oppose that and so forth, the statutes Ohio passed to do that. And so that part is unusual, but I will say that, and I can't say I've looked at every one of these going back to 1912 when these kinds of things began, but this kind of a clause basically saying, well, pay your lawyers if, if someone messes with your idea, that looks unusual to me. Okay, right, because it would be the state paying to sue itself. That's right. <laughs> kind of legal onanism. <laughs> Also, too, though, Tom, you said something earlier about we don't know what rate Ohio gets in terms of its reduced, the discount it gets for its drug prices. Do we not know that information because it's not public record? Or do we not know that information because it's contractually protected in some way that in order to learn that information, one would have to sue? I don't know the answer to that specifically. I do think that it is considered a trade secret, and of course there is a trade secret, um, however loose it is in our open records law, about proprietary information not being, uh, not being uh, released. And that connection, I do, I do think it's important to note uh, that we do have three former state Medicaid directors, and their Medicaid is a pretty good department, and they know their stuff, and I, for all the people criticizing it, they do a pretty good job of delivering things at a pretty good price to the taxpayers. Um, they oppose this. Uh, they say it would mess up the, it could also lead to messing up the discount scenario that the State Department of Medicaid has now with the manufacturers. I don't know also if the, if the discount arrangements are because they're required by federal law, if federal open records law or FOIA applies to this, but I do know the numbers aren't out there, and I'm sure if they were available, someone would have publicized them. I not make a case either way. Um, because how are you supposed to know what kind of deal you're getting and that you're getting the right price if that information is to, to me, this, if that information is not available? Mm-hmm. Well, well, according to, point. Um, from, what I'm, from what I'm seeing, the VA receives a federally mandated 24% discount on drugs. Now, I don't know how. And then, so what the state discount would be is... It to be at least that. Yeah, and yeah. so those who oppose issue to say the state discount is already almost 24% now, but we don't see it and we don't see, we're not a part of those negotiations. And I think the fear, I guess, would be the trickle down because again, if I'm not a veteran or if I'm not dealing with a state agency, then where, where does, uh, we're not, we're still not saying those drugs cost any less. We're just saying they're going to pay less. And then what? Because somebody's going to have to right, pay you more. Could, you could argue it would just be a cost shift. Exactly. Not a reduction. Yeah, and that right. argument's been made, yeah. yeah. Then what? It's <laughs> a really interesting issue, is it not? Right. Well, it's like a Rubik's Cube because they say if you push one place or like a balloon. Or, but I do want to make – I do think it's worth considering this angle. Um, we all know it's because we've all seen advertisements on television for getting prescription drugs filled in Canada. Or maybe we have older relatives who are having a really tough time economically, even with their retirement benefits. Uh, it is the case, and I didn't research this specifically, but it's generally well known that American drug prices are, are among the highest in the world. Right. And the argument is also made that, in effect, we're paying for the research and development, which they do do, and drugs have do some marvelous things to help people's health. 
all this R&D is built into the price where we're paying the rest of the world's R&D prices or R&D expenses by, in effect, subsidizing this. Uh, if you look back in Ohio, Ohio political history, not that far, Howard Messenbaum, when he was a U.S. senator representing Ohio for a number of terms, one of his issues was domestic drug prices were way up, way out of control. So it's been a continuing issue in one sense or other, but as sometimes happens to any of us facing a, a very complex problem, it affects sometimes just say it's it's insol it's insoluble. We can't really deal with it in ourselves. And maybe this was an attempt. Um, this could be seen as an attempt to kind of get people's attention to bring the issue to uh, to people's attention um, nationally and in the state. But uh, it's certainly the case that uh, drug prices for the individual individual patient and so forth are very, very high in this country, more than they are in any other place in the world, I believe. And there's another thing we don't, uh, all of us as Americans and Ohioans don't think about sometimes because, uh, you know, the drug manufacturers typically don't, uh, they may with Medicaid, but they typically don't sell directly to pharmacies and so forth. There are these distributing companies that, and the margin the companies get for this service of, in effect, wholesaling these drugs depends probably on the drug prices, on the drug's base price. So if you uh, cut prices at the wholesale level or the distribution level, you're going to be squeezing some distributors. I'm not sympathizing with them. I'm just saying that's also part of the politics of this thing. And there's some number of big NYSE companies that are basically drugstore suppliers. And the pharmacies themselves get a flat fee per prescription, so it doesn't really affect them that much either way. But um, certainly for older people especially, there's some real burdens there for, uh, with pharmaceutical costs in Ohio and all everywhere. Let's hypothetically say that uh, issue two passes. Could the... Ohio lawmakers expand out the group that falls under those price negotiation levels. So right now we're talking uh, VA folks and, and Medic Medicaid, but could the lawmakers say, well, we want to expand it out to I don't know, anyone over 65, just as an example? They could try, but I, I'd be very surprised if this legislature would do something like that, number one. And number two, I think it would raise a question of whether or not under federal law, a state alone could um, could regulate companies that are from out of state and so forth. I just don't know, but with all due respect to our legislature, it's not known for especially um, forward-thinking ideas about this and other issues. It just isn't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just not a place that, if this were another state, I'd say maybe that would happen. And even a conservative state maybe, but I wouldn't wait at the pharmacy line for it to happen. Could they go the other way? What's that? Uh, would, could the legislature take steps and go the other way, say, issue? It could. And I think that's, I mean, I think it is a statute, not a constitutional amendment. And that means that once it's, um, I don't know the effective date, I think it's either right after it's certified by the Secretary of State or by the ballot by the Secretary of State. But the legislature certainly can with a statute uh, by, amended by the statute proposed by, by the voters. I don't think it's done that. And there's been an interesting history here because there haven't been that many of them to begin with. Again, most people choose the vehicle of an amendment. Uh, just as a piece of history, one of the best-known ones on, was not by statute, was in 1949 or 50. Um, the legislature, of course, was gerrymandered then to represent rural interests primarily, and it was illegal in Ohio to sell margarine that was colored yellow like butter. It was all like white sticks of, looked like a white stick of Crisco or something. Hmm. And the legislature refused and refused and refused to change this law. They said you could, and my mother told me one time that she used to have to go to the store and buy yellow food coloring and blend it into the margarine to make it look like it was Butter, although they didn't care, really wanted to use margarine home anyway. It took a voter-initiated statute like this to change the law to allow people to sell oleo margarine that had the color yellow as part of its constituency because that was how that worked. And no one messed with that. But that's how the statute sometimes happens. People go to this when nothing else seems to, re to, uh, to, uh, 
to uh, work for a problem. And you may have seen some recent news stories in which even some congressional Democrats, otherwise considered progressive people, uh, did not vote against the pharmaceutical manufacturers on a couple pricing issues because it's a very, very powerful um, lobby. corporate lobby. I mean, it just is. And, uh, and again, some of, what they do, some of what they manufactured and produced is, are miracles in a way, biologically, but some of their profits are miracles too, <laughs> looking at the real world of business. I'm looking at a list of supporters and um, parties, Democrats of Cuyahoga County, Seneca County Democratic Party, Stonewall Democrats, Butler County, um, and the organizations. And then you look at the list of opponents and the coalitions, the list goes on and on, including the Ohio Pharmacists Association, the Osteopathic Association, American Academy of Pediatrics, Ohio chapter, um, OBGYNs, Ch- Ohio Chamber of Commerce, on down to Ohio Grocers Association. Yeah. You know, um, a few individuals, former medical Medicaid directors yeah. are saying no to this. Um, and the Stonewall Democrats of Central Ohio, but the Stonewall Cleveland Democrats, <laughs> they are for it. And That's right. That's an interesting uh, interesting bifurcation. I'm not sure what it's all about. Uh, again, remember, the man that, or the organization that's promoting this issue is probably the uh, – he has a series of nonprofits um, across the country that have been the, among the largest, people, largest providers of services to people with HIV mm-hmm. for prevention of HIV as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's those, healthy. and he himself, it's a, it's a nonprofit, and his, his salary is 400000 which is declared in the, in, the, in the 990s, so it's not particularly... And they tried for a while to kind of demonize him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may remember some of the early answers I thought was, I thought was wrong to do that, that very wrong and questionable. But I don't know specifically within that, um, within uh, the whole... Uh, constellation of groups that work on those issues in Ohio and elsewhere. Why there's a division? I'm just not clear on why that is. It does exist, though, obviously. Or the medical mm-hmm. associations and the doctors' groups that are right. I think I think part of the division really does represent uh, an honest confusion of people on both sides of the issue. But I mean, of, 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 the, of the voter in the middle who decides deciding what he or she should do. It is complex, and it's it's almost as if. Um, you have a chance to, in effect, um, make a rude gesture to someone you can't stand, but no, it's not going to make any difference. And what, it might not make any difference on his or her behavior. And um, so uh, there's an emotional appeal to telling the drug companies to get lost, I suppose, on the parts of many people. But there's an honest question whether or not that's going to make any difference. And you know, it's like you can say, well, insult me all you want, but just keep paying my, my invoices and I'm not going to complain. So I don't know the answer myself. And that's why there's a lot of honest confusion here about this. Um, and... Uh, it, but again, this goes to the question of this is sometimes these things get decided or get debated in states because the Congress on both parties for many generations have not faced this dif- has not faced this conundrum head on about the burden on consumers, especially older people, maybe people on disability that have limited incomes. Um, maybe their plans do have discounts, but most of them maybe don't don't this thing wouldn't cover them. And it's it's just crushing to see older people having to deal with this this challenge. I I know some people, well, it's just, it's just, it just is. And, uh, and if you are paying a straight full price for some of these drugs, on the other hand, as I did when I was a graduate student because of our graduate student health plan, um, <laughs> Wink. they can Wink. be very substantial, very substantial costs even for a maintenance 
drug. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking $150 a month for one prescription alone, mm-hmm. and then that's that's kind of crazy when you think about the manufacturing. The R&D costs already been amortized by then. Right. And the distribution cost is, so people understandably have a, a feeling of, I've got to do something about, make a statement about this. Mm-hmm. But whether it will change behavior or not or change the overall corporate um, profit taking, I don't know at this point. It's very confusing. It's like stuck between a rock and a hard place because you don't really know. Right. There's we no- don't know the ripple effect. Because you see these advertisements and they say the Akron Beacon Journal said this and the Cleveland Plain Dealer said this and they're all editorials and whatever. Right. But it's just adding to the confusion and then the people that are incensed and saying we need to change something will immediately see we're going to change things and then go straight to that. Right. And it's just it's oh. weird to see that just playing off kids like right. trying to get insight things. Well you can make the argument that that's, that's a classic defense in any issue that make pe- people there's been studies of people's Voting behavior and, and ballot issues, and if they if they if they're confused or doubtful, the, ten, the tendency is to vote no, right? Which is a service of, to the status quo. I, I'll make one prediction that I'm bad at those usually, so maybe I shouldn't make any. <laughs> but um, I know whatever happens, it'll be in court the next day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I'm sure the Columbus lawyers are all just ratcheting up mm-hmm. right now on both sides to get a TRO if it passes or if it doesn't pass to sue over the voting count or sue over voting practices or something because they've got both got both sides have had money for lawyers and I'm sure there's almost a maybe a TRO application filled out in blank already ready to go mm-hmm. but uh, that's how those things work but it, clearly we as a country have to face this issue of subsidizing everyone else's drug costs because of our high retail prices for individual consumers and I think that's a if the office holder who could actually address that and make a change would be a a person that would be in office for the rest of his or her life, probably, if they could get that addressed. But the lobbying cloud is so powerful on the issue on the side of the manufacturers that it's very hard to do. Tom, you yourself are personally on the fence about this issue. You haven't decided yet. I guess, and a lot of people are. What can people do? What what do what we do as voters to to figure out what we how we want to fall on, on this issue? What are you doing to educate yourself? to make to a decision. Right. I should mention, by the way, as you mentioned, I'm on the editorial board of the paper, but I didn't take part in our discussion of this because I couldn't be there that day. So I, I, I support, I mean, as a, as a member of the staff, I support what the staff decision was, but as an individual, I wasn't part of that decision because of logistics. Um, I'm reading everything I can uh, on, on, the, on the web about news stories about this and analytics about this. I think it's helpful for people to, if they have the chance, I know everyone's very busy and I respect that, look at the California coverage of this because it was a statewide campaign with lots of editorials and analytics about this and this is not like the California ballot issue. I think everyone should keep in mind that the Ohio Ballot Board, which is a state agency, uh, it's in effect bipartisan, which composes the language for ballot issues, has a language on the web under Ohio Ballot Board that explains the pros and cons submitted by each side and its respective arguments about that. Uh, I also suggest if you have a time to look at um, non, you can get stock market, I mean, looking at the Wall Street Journal of Barron's, if you either get it or can get a library access to it to see if there's comment in there on this subject, about, especially about pharmaceutical stocks and this, this, uh, this thing. I, I also think this, if you belong to an organization or a vocational group, say you're an older person, I don't know that AARP is, AARP is spoken on this either way, I don't think. Of course, for what we know yet. I don't think so. I think you're correct. I don't see them. And so I would look to them because I think, you know, generally speaking, they look out for their, their members and groups like that too. But um, 
it's uh, it's a curious issue because I, I think, again, you come down to the, a person, a human being's gut instinct is sometimes to send a message about an injustice that he or she sees. And they want to send a message that we don't like this injustice, perceived injustice to continue. So I think you have to go with your gut in some respects about these kind of issues. Um, what's interesting to me, by the way, I, I could be wrong about this because I've been doing a lot of things at once and I'm never good at any one of them when I do that, but I don't think any statewide office holders much of either party have said anything much about this, right, have they? Right, that's what I'm looking. I don't, yeah. I don't see anything. They're kind of ducking. They, yes. Mm-hmm. I see oh, well, maybe they're... They're, they're just torn about not having made up <laughs> right. their minds yet. They're going to bow to the will of the people. Yeah, yeah right, yes. <laughs> and the only ones that are speaking are the former ones. Right. Dennis yeah. Kucinich being apparently notable about it. No, I haven't. And it's an interesting thing. If you, look, if you, were, to, if you were into micropolitics, you'd look behind to see who's working on these respective campaigns, the yes campaign and the no campaign. You see people from both parties working on them each, each way. I mean um, – right. Uh, it's true that the lead spokespeople for each of the two sides are Democrats historically, but they're public people, including public strategists, working on both sides. I mean, working respectively for one side or the other. So it's, it's, it's by its very nature, it's, it's, uh, it's a new concept. And people start talking about, the, I mean, the ordinary rank-and-file person like you, all of us, talking about drug discounts and manufacturers' rebates and everything, and it gets to be almost like talking about algebra and stuff. Because, it, I mean, it is. It's, it's complicated. And... Uh, that very issue, that very factor may make it difficult for people to vote, make a decision or just decide to vote no. But uh, I don't know if there's any polling done on this. I've heard, you know, with polling stories, everyone says what they want you to hear. Mm-hmm. It's getting killed. No, it's going to pass. And it, whatever they want to have happens, what they say the poll says. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to play out, especially in a low turnout election because, yes, we have local offices. We have no statewide office holders on the ballot this year, no legislators, no, ju- no state, no county, no, municipal judges only in some counties. And so and some levies, and I'm not sure who's going to show for the election. So that also could mean, though, the better informed voters are the ones that always dedicated themselves to going to elections, and that may make a difference, too, um, on this issue, on how it comes out in November. Any other races that you were watching? Well, I think, I, think, I think this other issue about crime victims' rights is very, very interesting and compelling, um, and uh, it's, uh, it has an uh, interesting mix of people. Most people are, and they are statewide, often do say they're for that. And no one can disagree with the fact that crime victims are crime victims, and oftentimes they've been treated insensitively or indifferently by public officials. Although I've also seen prosecutors, I've known a few people that have, over the years, have unfortunately had some heinous things happen to people they are in their lives, and they've been, in effect, crime victims themselves. And there are prosecuting attorneys who really go to the limit to help crime victims deal with the consequences and be informed every step of the process. Uh, I suspect that'll pass handily, although I do think you should know that. Um, you do know, I'm sure, the Prosecuting Attorneys Association opposes it, but also so does the Public Defender's Office um, because of some specific concerns about the way evidence could be treated for um, if you were trying to defend a felon and so forth. And the victim of crime says he or she doesn't want to really, not, not the, the, the injured person, but a witness or something doesn't have to talk about certain things in the minds of um, some legal um, some lawsuits over that could happen that way, and they don't want to buck, they don't want to gum that up. Just kind of in your professional opinion, what we're seeing, and especially in some of the regional races in Southeast Ohio, um, in these in the smaller villages and the and the uh, smaller cities and towns where no one runs yeah. for 
uh, either trustee or yeah. council. What's happening there? What, or well, I think I think I think each one of us at this table could ask him or herself or herself, "Am I willing to run for public?" I don't mean like right, right. Uh, we willing to run public office, and, and I think part of it is uh, the uh, the saturation of um, what I would call informal media, not even social media. So that anyone who runs can probably figure for anything that means anything at all, and that means anyone who has power, even a small salary, is going to be given probably microscopic examination, typically, if not informally by news media, or even by organized social media, but by individual people sending emails back and forth and so forth in a given community. I think it's, um, it can be a, a uh, pathway to lots of headaches for a candidate, depending on his or her circumstances. And, um, but I also think we all, going back to Robert Woods' day's Bowling Alone book, we're seeing kind of a disengagement in people because I think people are sometimes feeling that politics are futile, even at the local level. I don't think they are myself, but I think people think, oh, all I hear is controversy and all I hear is conflict. and all. Well, that's, of course that's what you hear because a lot of that's happening. But the question is, is, the, is it functioning um, the way it's supposed to? And on some services it is, but otherwise, you know, we can all agree that Congress is basically – frozen tight, uh, you know, even vice grips and WD-40 wouldn't get that place moving, I don't think, right now. And uh, and the legislature is essentially not taking any really tough issues on. I don't, I'm going to disagree with that, but they aren't. Um, and um, things seem to be in a holding pattern at a time of incredible change in our country demographically, economically, industrially, and every other way. And so people, as if people stood back and said, I can't do anything about this anyway, so why assume or take or seek a role in it. I don't agree with that point of view, but I respect their, I, I know why they feel that way. Um, and um, the sad thing is that gives the insiders even more power. When none of us, I mean by us, I mean uh, as people, not just the people at this table, obviously. Don't look at it. I mean, I was, the other day I was at a, uh, at a, at a forum, a voters forum in Northern Ohio. I got invited to it. I was in Cleveland anyway for a meeting at, uh, at cleveland.com. And People are concerned about some city issues in some of the Cleveland suburbs. It doesn't matter which, and they, they're all pretty well. I said, what can I do as an individual person? And I said, you know, honestly, and I learned this by, because of my work here at OU, honestly, too, as a teacher, by going with students to the city council and so forth, is that very few people actually go to watch government bodies decide things. Now, I know, yes, it's on the cable and it's on the web, but it's not the same thing as being there because you get to see the paperwork Governments that wa get watched perform better, like any of us does. If we think a camera's watching us, trying to do something we shouldn't be doing, and that also is that citizens that see issues, I can address that. I know about this issue. These people aren't doing a good job of addressing it. Uh, school boards, the same thing. And um, until people just actually start paying attention, nothing's going to change. And I'm not attacking them. They've got where people are working harder than ever to just stay, keep running, to stay in place with the economy the way it is. And they have children and partners to work with and live with and all the rest of it. I'm not attacking anybody. But I, until people start doing that again, that would also be an incentive to take part because they actually watch things happen they think shouldn't happen or are questionable. I should be there making this decision and be taking part of this discussion. That may get them to do it. Otherwise, it's just... People, it's like some of the television commentary shows, these people yelling at each other, basically. And if we think conflict is all there is in life, we want to, we want, as creatures, we like to avoid conflict. Who likes it? Well, we know people in our lives that do like conflict, but they're usually, we don't want to spend too much time around. That's Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner after the drinks. And, but anyway, that's my viewpoint about it.
but yes, you're right. There is there is that, and I think it's also um, there is um, the complexity of government is not getting any smaller, but um, but at the same time, I, I someone pointed out even in this discussion of the Athens school board discussion of school location at the city council in the public comment period, and I don't have a dog in that fight, and I I actually just watched sitting back and watching the discussion, but. Uh, Someone said, we had 20-some meetings in around town and in the district to have public comment on the school plan. And none of you, in this case, the person said, he wasn't rebutted, no one, none of you happened to attend. And so I think people don't often take advantage of the chances they do have to find things out. I want to, one tagline on that is we have the best public libraries in the United States. If Ohioan can't find something out, it's because he or she doesn't know where to go. And I'm not making fun of him or her. Librarians can be the key to good citizenship, too, and our libraries can help you with that as well. That's to be kept in mind as well. But I think that people just, if you hear someone like one network's people yelling this way, another network's people yelling this way, it's people just want to throw up their hands and say, a plague on both your houses. It seems to me. And it's getting to the point where I always get a little bit tired of it, although I've, I thrived on it for years by watching it, but it's, it can be where you're down. It's like being in a marriage where everybody's always fighting. After a while, you say, I don't need this. So you step back, mm-hmm. seems to me. Not that I know, but that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time and your expertise and your analysis. We appreciate it. And that's it for this episode of 457SEO. We hope you found this discussion useful. This podcast is recorded in the WOUB Public Media Telemix studios. Adam Rich is our sound engineer. Aaron Payne is the editor. And the music is provided by Nathan McGuire. Thanks for listening. I'm Susan Tebbin. I'm Atish Baidya. I'm Aaron Payne. And I'm Allison Hunter. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Do your thing. Bye.